Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And now it's time for me to welcome on my guest, Larry Barron, who is the Communication Director for Power of the Future. Larry, welcome to the first time on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. So, you know, we are coming off of the heels of Sarah Week, which is a huge conference that happens every year here in Houston, Texas, in which some of the largest and most prominent oil executives uh, as well as elected officials come and meet and talk about the future of energy, whether it's oil and gas or the new energy evolution revolution that we seem to be unfolding. It's an exciting time. There was a lot to learn about Sarah Week in the future uh, path forward with uh, how energy executives and um, our elected officials see the future. But before we really jump into this and what you guys are doing at Power the Future, tell our listeners a little bit about your organization, your 501c4. Absolutely. Uh, again, thanks for having me here. We're, uh, as you mentioned, a 501c4, a nonprofit, and our job is to bring facts to the energy conversation. You know, there are a lot of groups funded by a lot of money on the other side who, just to put it frankly, are anti-American energy, uh, particularly fossil fuel energy. And they bring up a lot of astroturf when it comes to the energy conversations, and they're exceptionally good at it. And so Power of the Future works hard to bring facts to policymakers and to the public about what is going on in the energy sector, and we make no bones about it and no apologies for the fact that we advocate for American energy workers, and that is our priority, and we think that is the right priority for our states, our communities, our nation, and so we will continue to do that. It gets uh, bombastic sometimes, but that's the what we signed up for, and we're grateful to do it on behalf of the men and women who you know make our way of life possible. You know, energy is one of the most important commodities on the planet, truly, that is probably the least misunderstood in the way of the general public. Sometimes I wonder if it's not by design, uh, elected officials are elected and what is their expertise in energy? It's really hard to understand. It's a very complicated topic. I think the American people also don't understand the importance of it, of how we can get led into wars around the world, how it makes us less energy uh, independent, the more less energy independent we are, the more vulnerable we are, um, and also, you know, the least amount of, um, of, of we don't want to be somewhere where we have uh, no access to energy quickly. And so there's a lot going on, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, the Biden administration's constant assault on energy. And we also see, you know, uh, finishing up Sarah, we, there was a lot of transition discussions happening in the way of companies switching gears to try to meet the lower lowering admissions, but yet also continuing to provide the planet with energy resources. So I want to start with, um, you all have an opinion pertaining to uh, this administration. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned it a minute ago about their desire to uh, really misinform the American people on, on, on the topic of energy, and they want to do this energy transition. It's a little probably too quick, but the Biden administration released an unrealistic budget proposal recently, and that is trying to eliminate tax benefits for American oil and natural gas production. 
Can you go into um, what that specifically is? I think it's House Bill 1, and it's called the Lowering Energy Cost Act. Um, what is it, and what are the issues surrounding it? Sure. Well, that one's a little separate from President Biden's budget, but everything you've said is absolutely right. You know, energy is foundational to the United States. It is uh, simply our way of life. And people who are even my age, you know, I have grown up in a time where if you turn on the light switch, the light comes on and, you know, absent just a few severe weather storms, that has always been the case. And we are, to your point, forcing a transition to uh, sources of energy that are intermittent, more expensive and unreliable. And so this society that keeps us alive and not only helps us to weather storms, literal and figurative, it also allows us to build and, and are the building blocks for what will be our future. And we've decided to uh, undermine this foundation. And when I say we, I'm talking about the Biden administration. And so part of what they've done with that is saying, we are going to pick winners and losers when it comes to energy. We want this and not that. Well, lo and behold, in the world of public policy, when that happens, the thing that the government picks, lo and behold, starts becoming pretty expensive and what they have picked has not worked anywhere else on the face of the planet it has not uh developed well enough to provide energy when we need it i mean i i don't need to tell the folks of texas how unreliable wind energy can be and that is true everywhere but yet there is this march to go in this direction down these sources towards what they claim is a solution for really no reason they claim it's for the planet but then we see that the devices talking about solar panels and wind turbines that they want to use to capture wind and sun take up more fossil fuels than they'll ever use in producing the energy so it's already a net loss there and they're produced in countries that have an abysmal environmental and human rights record so to get more directly back to your question about the bills the president has looked at his budget and said we're going to eliminate tax breaks that have been there for the oil and natural gas industry so if you look at my former home state in new mexico about 35 cents out of every dollar the state of new mexico spends comes from the oil and natural gas industry. So if you eliminate those tax breaks, that also hurts that revenue to our state coffers. And New Mexico is not the only state. I mean, we can look at Alaska, we can look at North Dakota, we can look at any number of states. And yes, we can look at Washington that gets a lot of tax revenue from these industries. And it is just gigantic compared to the quote unquote revenue that they're going to get from windmills and solar panels. And the second part of that is when you go, uh, you eliminate these tax breaks, who is going to pay for that? You know, they talk a lot of Washington about we're going to get rid of the corporate income tax. What that really is, is a tax on consumers, right? That is going to be passed on to consumers and uh, policy officials know that, but they want to feel better about bringing more money into government. And so that's what we're really looking at here if as if the last two years of energy prices haven't been bad enough washington and particularly the Biden administration is looking for ways to raise them again so thankfully there's hr1 that is being introduced by house republicans that aims to do a lot of things one it aims to get the keystone pipeline restarted two it aims to get a better regulatory environment for oil and natural gas companies to work in and three it starts uh, to the effect to getting us back on the road to energy independence because and and that's 
where you started and you're exactly right. You know, if I had a neighbor for which I depended upon my food, something as elemental as I need for my family as food, and then that neighbor gets mad at me, well, what's going to happen? Well, just ask Europe because they depended on their neighbor for gas. And when they had a disagreement with their neighbor, look what happened. And so there is no question self-reliance in the world of energy should be the goal of the United States. And it shouldn't be intermittent uh, uh, and expensive energy as is being proposed by the Biden administration. Well, you know, you mentioned um, the importance of energy. It's a matter of national security, but it's also a matter of many of our listeners probably don't remember in the 70s when we were assigned different days to go and get gas. And there was lines and lines and lines when we thought we were having energy scarcity. Yeah. Um, and then we flip-flopped and went to rely on other countries, uh, Saudi Arabia specifically for our energy needs, which took us a lot of times into world um, situation in, in protecting and looking at those vulnerable assets. So I think we need to pay attention to what happened in our history because it could be facing us in the future. And I guess, you know, my question would be to you. So um, let's talk about and break down um, H.R. 1, Lower Energy Cost Act. What specifically is that, considering that we have um, last year, 2022, I think we had the highest demand of energy period in a long, long time. We also know that we are heading for a recession by the end of the year, according to a lot of economists. And um, these policies that are being put into place that are going to affect the Americans' bottom dollar, and how difficult is this going to be as we look out towards the end of the year for consumers that are already struggling to just make ends meet as it is right now, much yeah, less have additional taxes added? Yeah, such, such a great question because, and, and not many, many people look at it that way, and they should. When I say energy is foundational, when we look at the inflation uh, monstrosity problem we have here in the United States, it's because the Biden administration went after energy. It is the part that makes up our uh, modern economy, which is energy. And if you go tinkering with it, if you go demonizing and undermining it, well, then this is what you're going to find. You're going to find massive inflation. You're going to find it's going to be harder and harder to pay the bills. More Americans are living on credit cards now than have been for years and years and years and you're right in the 70s we had to gas ration and it was start and that's when the strategic petroleum reserve started right and so that's when we look at saying you know what we have a lot of people who did not have to experience that they've been like me they've always thrown on the switch and the switch has always delivered light they've always been gas at the gas station we've never had to worry about it but the first symptom of what the Biden administration is doing to american energy is what we're realizing it is things become more expensive and not just gasoline at the pump everything that touches gasoline and that's i'm talking about the wrapping i'm talking about the products and i'm talking about the delivery of it it all goes up and that you know lo and behold turns to inflation and so i know washington's answer is going to be to spend more money because i guess that's how we counter inflation uh nowadays i'm dubious that that will uh work i'm highly dubious that that will work but that's what they're going to do so when you look at hr1 and what is specifically in it the the quick and easiest answer is Everything that Joe Biden has done over the last two years, it tries to reverse that. We talked about the Keystone Pipeline. It tries to get that into effect. Uh, many Americans don't know, but starting in January 2024, part of the laughably named Inflation Reduction Act is there's going to be a tax on natural gas. And so the cost to heat your home, to cook in your home, as long as the government doesn't come get all your gas stoves, is going to go up uh, next winter. And to your point, when you look at 
what Americans are coping with right now. You know, the Census Bureau does a really interesting thing. They call it National Pulse, and they do it about every month, and they take a look at, you know, exactly that, the pulse of the nation, economically speaking. And one of the things they found is nearly one out of four Americans were unable to pay their entire energy bill within the last 12 months. And that was just the most recent numbers. And so when you look at that dichotomy of you have here a president who wants to increase the cost of energy, both in elimination of tax breaks and adding more taxes upon the energy we need. He wants to not have it done in the United States. And today's Willow decision, you know, I know we're talking as the Willow decision comes out, um, shows that, right? He's opened up Willow a little bit, but he closed down a whole lot of acreage, right, to development as well. And again, to go back to the 70s, this used to be a bipartisan issue. Uh, You know, Republican and Democrat presidential candidates alike would lament that, oh, if only we had energy independence. Well, now we have it. It was in our lap. We can get it back again. But we have an administration that is putting an agenda, a failed agenda, ahead of what is good for Americans. And now- They will right. tell you that it's it's good for the planet, but that, you know, the economics and the science. Well, is- exactly. We have to look at both of those. Let's take a quick break. Larry, when we return, sure. I do want to get on the topic of the Willow Project that you mentioned because it is breaking. Uh, let's take a quick break. You're listening to an old patch radio show. And we'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to an old patch radio show. My guest today is Larry Barron, who is the communication director for Power the Future. Larry, before the break, we were discussing the heels of our closing out the heels of Sarah Week. Um, and I want to get uh, on that topic because we, we we were covering Sarah Week and also uh, 740 KTRH. I did a couple of live uh, discussions on the Willow Project specifically because it seems kind of strange to me that, um, you know, we do have uh you know, a state, Alaska, that uh, ConocoPhillips has for years uh, had leases and contracts in place, and uh, they want to drill on federal lands uh, in Alaska, and yet they're being denied through the permitting process of, um, of, of course, this administration. Some of the things that that piqued my interest was the fact that the Secretary of Interior is approving a lot of um, uh, drilling permits in the great state of New Mexico from where she's from, uh, which is uh, uh, Helen, but at the same time, a little Alaska is having a problem getting any permits through. So we yeah. caught up with Senator Sullivan, who was pretty uh, upset about questioning why is it that his state cannot get a permit? And then to make the situation even better, we ran into Senator Manchin and Lisa Mikowski, who talked about the same thing, that it has to be approved, Conoco Phillips has stated that a five well pad site has now turned into potentially a two or three. A two, if they approve two pad sites, would definitely kill this project. Three, they could live with. So this morning's news broke that the Willow Project has been approved. I want to get your comment on, uh, was this a win for Alaska? Obviously it is to some degree, but but what is y'all's stance on finally getting approval for the Willow Project in Alaska's National Petroleum Reserve? Yeah, absolutely. And and your points are correct. It is, you know, it is a, a short term win. 
And and let's just say it like that. You know, the president had promised no more new drilling and that he was going to bring an end to fossil fuels. And yet his administration has approved some common sense uh, uh, production in the United States, which is great. Did he approve it to the degree that he could have? No, he did not. He should have did. And then in doing so, right, he also shows his true colors and saying, oh, by the way, I'm also taking off millions upon millions of acres of Alaskan land and off the Arctic Ocean off the table for future development. So we'll see, you know, how um, effective he is in that. But also, too, now we're probably going to see uh, leftist environmental groups come and sue the Biden administration. And we have to ask, is this part of the plan all along, right? So he approves it. So he gets political cover for saying he wasn't undermining American energy. But knowing that effective political groups who all they really produce are lawsuits as opposed to energy workers who produce what we need, and they can come after the Biden administration, and they will. That said, he still approved it, and there is opportunity there for, I believe it's about 180,000 barrels a day that can be flowing into the United States, which is, a you know, no small uh, contribution. That is a, a big deal. And and so, but I, I, I really get hesitant because, you know, Lucy has pulled this football away from us before, right? And so we see an administration that will take projects like this that have been years in the making, that have been studied to death, have Millions every of hoop has been, yeah, every hoop has been jumped through and they will pull the plug at the last second. And so, I'm glad it looks like what it does now. I hope it stays that way for the people of Alaska and for the people of the United States. But your point is exactly right. You know, I'm from New Mexico and I feel like I should apologize uh, for Secretary Holland uh, to the rest of the country. We tried to warn that this was the type of uh, interior secretary that she would be. And so it is uh, difficult to see one state seem to be uh, getting the green light from the federal administration, while another is put under the thumb of the federal administration. You have to wonder, is it just simply because of how they vote? You know, American energy, regardless of where it comes from in the country, is good for our country. Yep. It shouldn't be politicized. And I, and I just have to say, I know there's somebody listening saying, but Kim, 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 what about the environment? You know what? There's tons of permits going to New Mexico. And again, I am for drilling, period. So it, it, it doesn't matter to me what state, but there needs to be a fair and balanced process, because if you're going to sit here and hang your hat on the environment, then why is New Mexico getting permits and Alaska isn't? That's all I'm saying. And you know what it is very unfair and we need energy reform. Companies are not going to spend billions of dollars investing in projects like ConocoPhillips, just to be told at the very end, they're not going to be allowed to do it because we're politicizing our energy security and our policies, which is completely wrong. And it always costs the American people more money. And it also puts us at a greater risk for national security, which is why I have a show. We need to understand how this affects us because elections do have consequences. Let's, um, let's, I just, I guess I want to ask you, so if they pull this back and they wound up suing the administration, does this put this project on hold again? Is, are we looking at a potential another Keystone pipeline that's just years in a football going back and forth and never really accomplish anything? I really hope not. I really, really hope not. But you know, we have an administration that doesn't have their heart into American oil and natural gas production. We saw that when Biden first came in, right? There was a moratorium that they just placed in on, on all offshore and, and any type of drilling. And, uh, you know, governors and states went to court to do it. A judge ruled that they had to lift that moratorium. And the Biden administration just really drug their feet. And in the 
court of public opinion or in the courts they just decided you know we'll just kind of lackluster appeal these things and do these things and so you have to wonder if the environmental groups who are really great at picking judges particularly when it comes to alaska and the northwest part of the country decide you know what we're going to pick this judge we're going to go to this court we're going to do this thing you have to wonder how strong the biden administration uh particularly it'll be deb Haaland's department is going to fight those environmental groups who fund his campaign in court i'm sure there'll be a little show but they'll pick the judges and so i i hope i really really hope that's not the case but in this instance i'm hoping against experience because that's what we've seen right and and your point is the correct one because we'll get told by them it's for the earth it's for the environment well you know then why are they okay with oil coming out of the ground in saudi arabia then why are they okay with oil coming out of the ground in venezuela one of the the biggest human rights violators on the planet they're perfectly okay right. with that and, why, and we're so actually importing now from the, i mean it's just crazy it let's insane. take a quick break real quick larry sure. Take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more. You're listening to on the Old Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now. 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com slash business profile start dealing with a company you can trust and always find and we're back you're listening to an old patch radio show my guest is larry Barron, who is the communication director for power the future Larry, uh, before the break, we were talking about the Willow Project that has just gotten approved, good for ConocoPhillips, and of course, great for the citizens of Alaska. You know, that energy reserve is important, vital for us to continue to provide um, energy needs here in the United States, as well as um, providing uh, energy to our allies that desperately need it all over the world. And I think we want to be able to provide them with their energy needs versus a country like Russia or Venezuela. And you did mention Venezuela before break. So, you know, let's, let's really talk about the energy and this administration and the things that, you know, we are currently doing that seem to be so far fetched with where we uh, need to be as a country providing our allied energy. I don't, you know, explain why is this administration, you know, day one signed an executive order to kill Keystone Pipeline. They're having a problem, even though the science is there of allowing the Willow Project, the project in Alaska to, to, to go through. Um, but yet there are other states. And again, I am for drilling wherever we can in North America. But it doesn't seem quite fair that we have some states that are getting permits that are specifically from the Secretary of Interior, Deb uh, Howland, like you said, Secretary Deb Howland. Her state has no problem getting permits, but other states like Alaska is having a problem. 
So is this the, uh, I mean, how important is the future that we continue to drill here in the United States? And in y'all's opinion on this administration, as far as their uh, energy, we're not ready to get off of the grid yet, are we? As far as with oil and gas? <laughs> no, we're not. Not not even close. And that's why, you know, uh, President Biden had a State of the Union speech where he said, oh, we need oil for another 10 years. And it's just laughable, right? I mean, as we see here today, Greta Thunberg finally deleted her tweet from 2018 that said, if we don't do anything within the next five years, humanity is going to end. She had to delete it. So we've heard these apocalyptic, we're all about to end. And, and to their credit, the leftists have stopped putting dates on them. But, you know, in the media world I used to work in, if you had a religious group that said the world's going to end on such and such date, and then it didn't, they would lose what little credibility they have. But yet when we come into the environmental community and someone throws PhD after their name and they predicted since the 70s of these things that were going to come to pass that have yet to do so, they continue to enjoy some credibility. And it would be laughable if, to your point, we weren't making terrible public policy about it. No, the the transition has not worked anywhere. Now that is a caveat. That is not to discredit credit the potential of American innovation and what could happen in the future. But as the landscape looks now, it will not sustain the world that we occupy and what we need for our energy. It just will not. And not only just in the United States, but across the globe, we see billions upon billions who don't have access to the energy we have access to, and they're going to want that access. And it's not going to be, you know, just only when the sun is shining or the wind is blowing. And so when you look at the fact that we know this is expensive intermittent and it's being forced on us, we're told constantly, this is the right thing to do. It's more affordable. It's better. But yet this is technology that can't win in the, the the free market space. And then we see it's okay for oil from Saudi Arabia and Venezuela. We have to ask the question, is this really about the environment or is this about political power? I argue it's about their political power. They want to be able to make sure that they outlaw their competition in the energy space, that they are allowed to, yes, make all the money they want for all the whining they have about big oil. No one takes a look at big green and the influence they wield because it is- You got that right, Larry. That, that this is gigantic. what this is about. Money, honey, yeah. money. This is what it's about. And and we're going to take a quick break. But you know, furthermore, can somebody please explain to me how a, a, a young girl- to make a comment like that and the world listens, in what educational background and what science uh, background does she have to be able to make these comments? Where is she referencing this from? But I do know this much. When you have other children who are committing suicide because they don't see a future because they have been scared to death on climate change, and there is somebody recklessly paying attention to a young girl who nothing with her but seriously you have no business saying these things you have no no education to say these things and the world is taking this it is scaring other kids and to the point where they're committing suicide it needs to stop the rhetoric is is and so i'm glad she deleted the her tweet and i and i wish she would kind of get off the national stage and go back to being a child which is what she is let's take a quick break you're listening to an old patch radio show we'll be right back any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. 
So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. And we're back. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Larry Barron, who is the Communication Director for Power the Future. Larry, uh, we're coming off the heels of Sarah Week. It was a lot of just great discussion. Uh, it seems as though in past Sarah Weeks, it was very much the attention on really good old oil and gas. And the one thing that was very different was the outlook that they're um, projecting many of the large companies that were there to speak, uh, Darren Woods, CEO of ExxonMobil. There were a lot of really high-ranking elected officials there. Every every executive that was there was really discussing the transition or evolution that they're in and their path forward to find greener ways of pulling out fossil fuels and transitioning into stronger fuels in the future. But it's in the future. So some of the outlooks, uh, takeaway outlook that um, that I got was that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, global uh, coal consumption has reached an all-time high of 2022. When the globe is using coal, it's telling you the demand for energy is definitely um, on the rise. And it's going to stay that way for like the next decade. Um, there were also um, areas that I saw that like they're, they're looking for nuclear. They were looking in transitioning into um, better ways of harnessing solar and wind. Um, And then, of course, hydrogen took front and center stage. There was so much discussion on hydrogen. Um, And so I just want to get your take on what did uh, Power the Future feel uh, that was the overarching message as we closed down Sarah Week, uh, the uh, S&P Global's main uh, stage event that they put on every year, Sarah Week. Yeah, well, well, first of all, I wouldn't, I'd be uh, amiss if I didn't give my love to Houston. Love, love Houston. Went to college north of Houston. Great people, great area, and they understand energy um, better than anyone on the planet. They really do. Uh, I can tell you, I personally was uh, highly disappointed when I look at people in the oil and natural gas industry and they invite John Kerry to speak. I'm, I'm all for pragmatism and understanding what's going on, but he is devout against what we're, you know, what we provide and what we do for the United States. And he has demonized the industry. And so there are opportunities, I think, to work with policymakers and to say, this is what's going to work for our country. But John Kerry is running a secret EPA out of the White House and is pushing an agenda that is not beneficial to it. And so I think that colored a lot of what we saw in that conference. But let's just take a moment and talk about it because I think we need to, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's difficult to articulate this, and I'm going to do it uh, not well. So, you know, just a warning. I'm old enough to remember Laserdisc. I'm old enough to remember New Coke. I'm old enough to remember Furbies. I'm old enough to remember every fad that came along that everyone said was going to be great. Okay, maybe not Furbies, but everything else that they said, <laughs> this is the future, and this is how it's going to be. And then, you know, lo and behold, it didn't turn out to be that way, right? And so when I look at the wind 
windmills and the solar panels I and and what they are proposed to do I see that you know politicians at ribbon cuttings and they all smile and they want that uh, political juice as it were for saying look how green we are but again no one's really doing the math right they're they're not looking at just how ungreen those things are and wind and solar are not renewable and I know every environmentalist head probably just popped a bit I'm not saying that the sun and the wind are not renewable but the devices we use to capture them are not they don't last we don't know where to put them when it comes time they still need energy and they still release emissions at least the wind turbines do yeah, and, and they don't last much beyond 20 years, right? And we don't know how to dispose of them. We have uh, slaves in China in mines making the metals for them. We have children in mines in Africa making the metals for them, and we just look the other way. And so, again, if it's all about the earth and this is the future, then why aren't we discussing more mining in the United States? Again, I'm from New Mexico, the southwest part of the state. Copper mining is huge. And yet we have to fight environmentalists on that as well. And so what is it really about? You say you want everyone driving a Tesla and everyone, you know, just not being able to use their blender whenever they want. But you won't let us go get the metals to do it. And so probably because they know environmentally it is impractical. So I guess I could just uh, kind of wrap it up with this. Anytime someone says transition, I gladly say you first. You know, fossil fuels are so critical to our way of life. Even the people that hate it the most cannot give it up. And so they'll, they they never will. And they always are saying they're eager for someone else to transition and they want to feel good and wrap themselves in happy feelings. But the fact of the matter is fossil fuels keep us alive, make our way of life possible. And we can't give them up, nor should we, because they have brought us to where we are today and they will take us into the future. Well, the moment we decide to give them up is the moment that the United States will no longer exist because other countries will come in and invade us for sure. Um, let me ask you about, um, so one of the things that I feel uh, I got was from Sarah was the global elitist, uh, the Western world climate solution people, the energy transition pathway people. It seems like to me that they don't really have an understanding. And again, I say global elitist because these are the rich people. And so everybody probably listening to the show, this doesn't apply to you or me, by the way. But um, it's it's kind of incompatible that these messages that are going out in the world to the remaining one to three billion people that are uh, sitting currently in energy poverty. And so as we're shortening and lessening energy, uh, energy independence, energy as a whole on the global stage, what happens to these people that are um, in this energy poverty situation or states? And furthermore, I wonder, you know, it seems as though North American producers are very tapped into and almost maybe um, addicted to, if you will, in a nice way, these global banking institutions that fund their projects. Is there a way that we can meet the demand for the future in energy and also be less reliant on the global financial institutions that basically dictate the global elitist how we're going to go about getting our energy? Oh, it's, a, it's such a great question. You know, and, and my mind turns to and and I'm kicking myself because I do not remember the country and I'm so so sorry. But it was last year, um, a leader of an African country wrote an editorial in the Wall Street Journal. It essentially was, you know, I call it the anti-Greta, how dare you? He was essentially saying, 
you know what? You all have used fossil fuels to build your societies, and your societies are great. And now you're denying my society the same privilege. You're saying we must use this energy that does not produce in the same way, that does not give the same benefits, and that we are forced to use it. And it was, you know, it was such a thought-provoking piece in terms of what we are forcing when we force this transition. You know, this notion that folks can just skip the fossil fuel part and have the the way of life that we have been accustomed more, to. Yeah. And then that's yeah. not possible. That's not possible. Daniel, not. I mean, Larry, it's not. Larry, let's hang on. Let's take a quick break when we return sure. with you. You're listening to an old patch radio show and we'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. 7188. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha source side-by-side owner study. And we're back. You're listening to the Noel Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Larry Barron, who is the Communication Director for Power the Future. Larry, before the break, I, I posed a question to you about the closing of Sarah. It almost seems like we need to move. Everybody was on the path of net zero by 2050, um, and everyone is is committed to it. But I wonder how we do that and tell other countries that are still sitting in energy poverty, that they do not have the, the the moral right to access energy because we're shutting it down in the way of climate. And that means that they're going to be continue to stay in poverty. That means that their lifespan will be shorter. This means that they will also, you know, live less of a lifespan because they don't have access to clean energy. What are your thoughts? I mean, you know, you were talking about the moral part of this, but is this even sustainable or realistic? It's not. And everybody knows it, right? The the developing world knows it. They want access to this energy. They know they're being denied it. And it, it, it brings suspicion, right? They they look at the world's superpowers and the world's developed nations and they say, you got your energy this way. Why aren't you letting us get our energy that way? And so what have they done? Well, you know, John Kerry goes to CLP. I forget which one it was, 27, 20, whichever one was at the elite resort in Egypt. I forget which elite resort they were meeting at this year. And they said, we're going to start paying reparations. And so in order to assuage our guilt that we're denying you plentiful energy, we're going to have rich nations send you money. And that, I guess, is supposed to help people who want to have abundant and reliable energy. I don't remember money keeping you warm. That's what I, and and, and so it, but to your point, it's exactly right. It takes away so much self-determinism, conveniently so. And, you know, what we hear, what I hear from the left is very similar to the arguments. And, and again, environmentalist heads are going to pop. It's very similar to arguments of communism. You point to, you say, show me in the world where it's worked. And they said, oh, well, no one's just done it right yet. And I would say the same for this transition to energy. Show me in the world where it's worked. California's experiencing blackouts, highest energy prices in the United States, 
by far, it's not working. They're importing more of their energy than any other state in the union. Germany has had to go back to coal and natural gas because lo and behold, the wind doesn't blow when it gets cold sometimes. And so it has not worked. And these are places that have full bore gone down this road of failure. And so the argument we hear from them is like, well, they just didn't do it fast enough. And so the question is, when you look at something that says 2035 or 2050, it's always conveniently outside the term limits of the current politician proposing it. And they know that they'll be out of office and likely maybe even dead by that time and not have to deal with the consequences of their terrible decisions. But they are terrible decisions nonetheless. Does it seem like to you also that there is this mindset of like one energy company is doing it, they all kind of follow through? Because, you know, as I mentioned to you about um, these energy companies and they're reliant on funding, you know, from other countries and, and these institutions to get their projects paid. for. So the dependence on European capital, as well as uh, insurance providers to fund their, their projects, we're very uh, much connected to that. But, but there was also, I think, you know, when I look at it, I'm like, can can anyone not see the writing on the wall and decide to take a, a separate path? I mean, there are some companies, Continental, Scott Sheffield, Pioneer, that they are truly, you know, focusing on things that make sense to me. But a lot of these companies just really don't. So the group thinking that they have, um, is there an opportunity to, 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 to back? up and look at things more independently and realize that we really need to here in the United States think about the United States first and you know if we're going to look at things like hydrogen battery storage wind solar thermal geothermal nuclear how how do we put a plan together that involves all of them because yeah. we need more not less that, but we need that- yeah, that's that's a great question. You know, when I think about it, listen, I'm not going to begrudge Apple Computer if they want to work on this new thing called an iPhone and develop something that is world changing. In fact, that didn't need any government subsidies, didn't need anything. The free market dictated that, hey, this is pretty good. And so if energy companies are working on something through their own accord that says, you know what, we believe this could be the future and, and this could be uh, great for our, our company and our communities and everything, more, more power to them. It's when the heavy hand of government comes in and says, no, 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 you have to force this way. You have to do it this way. And you're right, not only on the funding and the capital that comes from it, are they scared? I would, again, not going to accuse any company and not going to say I have the secret emails of anything. But yeah, I would think they're absolutely scared of losing out on capital. But we talked about here, we see energy favoritism being played in the United States. Do we not? Who gets permits? Who doesn't? Well, and maybe, you know, if you don't have this type of program running at your company, maybe your permit doesn't get approved as fast. Now, keep in mind, they're not doing anything uh, on purpose, but you know what? Maybe they slow roll a 90-day to 180-day, Maybe and knowing that it's costing you money each one of those days to try to you know get something done. And so I know uh, folks are going to say, I'm putting on the tinfoil hat with the conspiracy theory of that, but we've seen the evidence of it, right? We've seen uh, them yeah. pick winners and losers across the country and across the world. And so it is. Uh, if there is a company that is saying they're doing this, then... And uh, lo and behold, and it assuages um, some politicians from going after said company, then maybe that's their strategy. My part and the bigger part of that is, and where I would end it is, you know, appeasement never works when you're dealing with people who just want your utter destruction. They want all 
oil and natural gas companies done. They literally say, keep it in the ground. Again, they don't give it up themselves, but they literally want your company bankrupt and your employees unemployed. Appeasement is not going to work. But if they're trying to engage in some of that until the next administration comes in, I, I wouldn't put it out of the question. Well, you know, I think Daniel Jurgen uh, put on an excellent, in closing out the show, they, you know, Sarah Week was amazing. Daniel Jurgen really explains in his book, The New Map, was actually uh, great in breaking down where we've been and where we're going. Um, and I just think in looking at Sarah Week, we had some countries that were very much buying into, we need to get off the grid now. And then we had some countries that slowed down. We had some energy execs saying the same thing. Um, it's a very interesting time, I think, that we're living in to see how this is. It's going to be the greatest story. I don't know how it ends. It's going to be one of the greatest stories that's told on the energy evolution that we see globally, not just in the United States. Last comments, uh, Larry, before I let you go. Yeah, you know, I, I hear a lot of that uh, from my friends on the other side of this argument. I get the Luddite argument all the time, and I get the I'm shooing horses as the first automobile comes through town uh, argument all the time. And again, I have never um, uh, disparaged the innovation and the free market, but that is what is not at play in this conversation. What is at play in this conversation is the heavy hand of government deciding we're going to pick this side. And even though it's not as beneficial for our citizens, it seems to make us feel better. And lo and behold, the people making money off of it seem to donate a lot to our campaign. Exactly. And so it's really interesting as we, well, I won't get into the, the turnstile between the environmental community and the Biden administration right now, but just rest assured that everything that they accuse big oil of, they are absolutely engaging in. And, you know, I'm a little thankful trying to find a silver lining of the last years more americans learn where their energy comes from they learn um mm -hmm. what are the consequences of failed energy policy unfortunately we're having to learn the hard way but to your point and i don't know when it you is yeah to, to your point i don't know uh when uh the the we're going to break the glass in case of emergency on on the energy policy here mm -hmm. in the united states because it is not um a a future of affordable and reliable reliable energy that we're going down right now. So hopefully there's a U-turn in our future. Larry, thank you for being a guest on our show today. Um, and for people, anyone who's listening who wants to learn more about Power of the Future, just Google Power of the Future. And they can look and see what great work you guys are doing in DC. Keep up the good work. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Kim, thank you so much for the invitation. Great conversation. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.